Hey guys, it's Claire here. Uh, Randy and I just wanted to put out a brief disclaimer before this next episode of The Zodiac Killer. We talk extensively about the new Ted Bundy movie that is coming out soon. And we just wanted to let you guys know that the Zodiac Killer discussion kind of gets put on halt for almost the entire episode. We have about a 10-minute talk with the Zodiac and then move directly into Ted Bundy. If that's something you guys are interested in listening to, then please feel free to listen to the whole episode. But if you just want to listen to the beginning of this episode and then move on to the next one, since you're more dedicated to the Zodiac than you are to Ted Bundy, that's totally fine. We just wanted to let you guys know before you dive into the next 25-minute episode. Um, So feel free to listen to everything that we say. We have a pretty interesting conversation about the controversial moments of the movie. Movie. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, hello, <laughs> I'm Randy, and I'm Claire, and you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. This is part two of the Zodiac Killer, and we're just gonna pick right back up because we've got a lot to discuss. We just talked about how he had sent those three letters. The first three to major newspapers. I read you the one he sent to the San Francisco Chronicle. And after you're done yawning, give me your thoughts. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Okay. Well, I liked um, how you talked about the misspellings of the words in the letter because I think that's one of the most interesting elements about all of the Zodiac letters put together um, because there is a like. I mean, the psychology behind killers is they have this epic narcissism to them, and it's almost like he has to spell things in his way in order to solidify that it's him sending the letters so no one else can copy his style. And then also the fact that he sends a cipher to police and well, not to police, to the um, to the newspapers and be like, solve this. And they almost have to solve it because he's like, this is in a series of three. And what else are you supposed to do? I mean, he says that his identity will be revealed in these ciphers. So he's manipulating people, making them do exactly what he wants them to do, and then, you know, making them use all of their brain power, all of their best resources in order to solve this. And it's a really epic form of manipulation and power. And you can't do anything other than give him what he wants. So it's really interesting to see how he has already started to like infiltrate into the system and it's just it just gets juicier from there but the letters are messed up they're messed up they are for sure and I think what's important I think a good conversation we should have is the fact that he demands they publish these letters yes or he will kill again so what would you do um well First and foremost, I'd probably contact the LAPD um, just to see if they have received any sort of communication like this. Because obviously, like, I don't know, I'm coming from a very modern perspective, though, and I would want all of the evidence to be turned over to the police to make sure that I wouldn't compromise any sort of forensic evidence if there was any. Um, So I'd obviously be in communication with the police we have a whole day to really decide whether or not the letter deserves to be published on the front page of the paper. And then, and also to figure out the cipher. And I think, I mean, if lives are at risk, I might be willing to publish the letter. Um, Just because there isn't any really gruesome 
evidence necessarily in the letter other than the positioning of the bodies and the type of ammunition used, but that's all sort of like public information. That would be public information on like a records thing unless it had a lot to do with the case. Well, so the information he specifically detailed right, was, right, right. Was, was not public not information. Public. Okay, yeah. It was enough to prove that he, I mean, the fact that those people were murdered and where they were murdered and when, yeah. Right. But um, the specific details about the ammunition. Had not been and, made public yet. Like yeah. where their bodies were positioned was proof that he was the killer. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got that. So, yeah, I think if I was the editor-in-chief, I'd probably have to communicate with the police first and then make the decision to probably publish the letter just out of for safety reasons, I think, um, just in case. But that's my own personal understanding mm-hmm. of what's happening. And that's coming from a lens of, like, I, I know what's going to happen right. <laughs> with, this, with this, and I know there will be more killings anyway. So, I don't know. If I was someone who didn't know what was going to happen, then I would probably publish it. Right. Well, that's the question, I think, is yeah. whether them publishing this engaged the Zodiac in a way that kind of gave him permission to keep killing. Which right. I think it's there is that possibility that if they had never published, he would have been like, eh, never mind. Or, I mean, maybe he would have still killed people. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's the murderer. But... um. I don't know if he would have gone on for as long as he did and, like, done all these weird things if they hadn't, like, engaged with him and, like, gave him this... Yeah, gave him the permission. platform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard call. Yeah, absolutely. What would you do, Randy? I would publish this because I would be like, what is going to happen? I want to know. Yeah, right? Oh <laughs> It'd my be God. a very selfish decision <laughs> <laughs> for my own entertainment purposes. Absolutely. But, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would, like... I'd be super skeptical about calling the police because I just am always skeptical about the police. But I don't know. The only reason I would want to is for that forensic evidence piece. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I'd want to involve them in my decision because clearly they're going to like I wouldn't want them to dictate that. But of course not. And I think that like talking from them and getting their perspective on what would happen would be interesting. But ultimately... Yeah. I Yeah, I think publishing it was probably a good call in terms yeah. of like, because you never know if he could have acted out in rage due to the fact that they didn't publish it. And that's what he threatens in the letter anyway. So whether he upholds his end or not, I would just rather not risk it, you know? That's fair. Yeah, you don't want that on your hands, but... Yeah, no. But it is, again, like you said, giving into his demands and giving him a platform as well. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say I'm pretty sure the police would have advised you not to publish. And yes. So, anyways. So, as you know, mm-hmm. they all publish. Yes, <laughs> because they, all three of them, which is interesting. Yeah, they all do it. They're not trying to piss off a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they're like, sure. And in the San Francisco Examiner's story, they noted that police wanted proof that the person writing the letters was really the murderer. They were like, give us some more details. So four days later, they receive another letter with even more details about the murder. And I won't read it because it's like three pages of just (laughs) Just random things. Yeah. But this letter is important because it is the first time that he refers to himself as the Zodiac. 
he famously begins the letter by saying, "This is the zodiac. this is the zodiac speaking." Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which he's writing, but whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> Who gives themselves their own moniker? See, if I was a serial killer, which I'm not. I would want them to come up with something clever. I know. Like, I'd want to see what they come up with. And then if I hated it, then I would be like, no. Well, it's, like, not fair to make your own. Because, like, I feel like other serial killers (laughs) are probably, like, excuse me, excuse me, I worked for my moniker, and you just get your own? You You just made one up? No. (laughs) Use you. So, yeah. That is something you earn. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> gross. Okay, <laughs> moving on. So the Zodiac kills again on September 27th, 1969, less than two months later. And this is the one that freaks me out the most. College students Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell were at Lake Berryessa, which is just outside of Napa, California, when a man approaches out of nowhere. It's the Zodiac. Obviously. Oh, my God. (laughs) I never would have suspected. He's wearing a black hooded outfit with a white crossed circle on it, which becomes his symbol. So it's just a circle with a cross through it. Yeah. It kind of looks like a target a little bit. And he starts, like, after this, he starts, like, putting it at the bottom of all his letters and, like, it's his thing. Yeah. I feel like I've said that, like, three times. (laughs) It's his thing. It's his thing. You in know, addition to all Zodiac the other things. Style. <laughs> so at the lake, the Zodiac tells the couple that he just escaped from prison and that he needs money and their car so that he can go to Mexico. <laughs> he couldn't have just said, I've lost my car keys. I mean, he just sounds like 20 million times scarier. Well, I think he's trying to scare them. Right. But then I would run. Yeah, you know what but, I mean, but these people obviously that's did fair. not. No, they didn't. And because it's the, you know, it's not now. So Well, yeah, and that's something to talk about is like the context of all of these killings are happening before being murdered all the time was normal. Like Right. Before the big splurge of serial killings. Yeah, this is like when that's happening. So yeah. every like if we want to revisit Manson, um, <laughs> Like, he was able, they just, like, walked into people's houses. Like, mm-hmm. their doors were open. Like, oh, yeah, people never locked their doors. Yeah, so that's the time was where people are like, oh, hello, what can I do for you? Where yeah. right now we're like, don't look at me. Don't make eye contact with me. So, yeah, I mean, I get why they didn't run. But right. I would run. Currently, today, I would be like, uh-huh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> get in my car and leave. Yeah, that's fair. But they don't. And um, instead, they're like, Sure. Like, because they think that he's going to, like, attack them. So, sure. And he just said he's an escaped convict. So they're like, please take our money, take our car, and don't hurt us. So, yeah, right. Always put yourself first. If somebody approaches you with a weapon and they ask for your wallet, give, give it to them. them your wallet. Yeah. I swear everything in there is replaceable. Unless you're, like, really good at kung fu. Yeah. Then maybe. Or, That's so, an you know, or you have a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you can be like, no. <laughs> But if you do not give the them tables your wallet, are turned. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he they say that and he doesn't do anything like he doesn't say anything and instead he like pulls these clotheslines. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you forget? He has a gun. Oh. <laughs> Very important detail that would have made that whole conversation irrelevant. Like, it's totally irrelevant. 
Um, so I get it. <laughs> Why they just they just gave him their shit. yeah that makes sense. I'm sorry yeah they're ho- he's holding a gun to them so they're doing what he says obviously and so he pulls out this clothesline from his pocket and like ties them up and they're just thinking like oh he's tying us up so that we don't run after him they're like it's cool we're gonna survive yeah it's fine no worries wrong. <laughs> yeah, I are, I know. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. The Zodiac stabs Brian six times and Cecilia ten. Again. Yeah. More harsher aggressive towards, the, towards women. the women. And then he leaves them there and draws that crossed circle on the side of Brian's car and writes Sept like S E P T for September mm-hmm. twenty seven sixty nine six thirty by knife. That's my birthday. <laughs> Just Is it saying. really? Yeah, September twenty seventh. Oh, for all those something of you bad who don't happened. Know. I know on that. Day. I think about that every once in a while because I have read the book and this this particular killings is in the book. And the first time I read it, I was like, "That's a fun anniversary <laughs> to have on my birthday." Great. <laughs> Want to know something funny? Tell me. Okay, so we're from Colorado, so four twenty is like a celebration here. of the weed. Yeah, and that's also Hitler's birthday. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that is kind of funny. My cousin was born on um, the day Lincoln was assassinated, which is mm. also the same day that the Titanic sank into the ocean. Ooh, bad day. Yeah, I know. Bad day. Best part of that day is that my cousin Leo was born. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> Days. Uh. Gosh, we are going on sometimes. <laughs> we came in here. We were like, we're going to be efficient. We're not going to talk about anything. anything else other than this. It's fine. It's fine. So he writes that on their car, and then he goes to a payphone at a car wash nearby and calls the Napa Police Department and, again, says, I would like to report a double murder. And then he tells them where to find the victims. And then he says, oh. (laughs) Don't break the equipment. (laughs) Sorry. It's not ours. (laughs) Um, And then he says, I'm the one who did it. Ta-da! It's me. And so Cecilia died from her wounds two days later, but Brian survived. So the California DOC determined later that the message on Brian's car was written by the same person who authored the Zodiac letters. So we know for sure this one, definitely the Zodiac. So by now, the Bay Area is like, well, I think we've got a serial killer on our hands. I think so. <laughs> and everyone's super afraid. I like anytime someone asks the question, like, if you could go back in time and live anywhere at any time, my answer is always 60s California. Like, <laughs> would love that so much. Like, yeah, I right. I feel like I was born in the wrong time. Like, I feel like I would have fit in so <laughs> I feel like I just these cases live then. would have been solved <laughs> if you lived back then. <laughs> they would Randy not would have, have solved but them. I just like everything about that time, except for that I would be so afraid. Like, oh, I yeah. I'd be like, there are serial killers totally everywhere. Afraid. Yeah, so, and you're like a lovely brunette woman. <laughs> so you would be a target. Ted Bundy would have been all, all about, about me. Oh, my God. He definitely would have asked you to put his sailboat in his car. He would have. We're not talking about Ted Bundy. I'm <laughs> so sorry. I could go on to a rant about Ted Bundy because I like him. No, it's okay. Do we need to talk about the trailer and then we'll cut it out later if we want to? Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay tell me, tell me. Okay, tell okay, me. okay. So I'm obsessed with this trailer, first of all, because Zac Efron looks scarily like Ted Bundy. So much like him. Like, I never would have expected him to be casted in that role but once you see him with the hair and the clothing and everything he's a little bit 
like more bulky than Ted Bundy is, obviously, because Zac Efron's a pretty fit guy. So with that, he doesn't necessarily look like the smaller little law student that you see um, Ted Bundy um, as, obviously. But I loved that. <laughs> just I can. He looks so good. I'm actually confused at why they're focusing so much on his relationship with that Mormon woman. I forget what her name That's is. That's what I was going to talk yeah, about, yeah. actually. Because I was like, that was not like a big, huge deal in that's his life. That's his girlfriend. Yeah, that's, that's his a girlfriend. very big, huge deal in his life. Well, so like they... That's what I like about it. Really? That's what you like yes. about it? And I just want them to talk about the murder. Well, just no, like, they do talk about the murder. Or I'm pretty sure they're going to, but... Yeah, I just um, hope that they don't make that like the epic focal point because obviously he had a child with this woman and it's a clear like deviation from his whole I hate women thing. And um, I don't know if you have watched the Ted Bundy tapes yet, but I've watched the first episode from the Netflix series that came out like a couple days ago. And um, he, the way he describes his love for her is just, I was like, oh my God. But um, the guy who went and talked to him, the reporter, he did this really cool thing to get Ted Bundy to actually talk about the murder because Ted Bundy wanted to make it like a biopic. Like he started like, I was born here. This was my childhood. Yeah, he was like, this is my life This is my life, exactly. And so I think it's really interesting because of the psychology behind it because if you listen to how he's saying it, he makes himself out to be such a normal person and advocates so heavily that he is this normal guy who didn't do anything. He wants to maintain his innocence. It's like he's almost trying to explain it away from himself. Right. It's like he's trying to distance it, distance himself because he's almost ashamed of it. And you can kind of feel the shame that he kind of has for himself and what he's done. But he also, I mean, he never talks about the murders. In the first, like, 67 hours of recordings, he doesn't talk about them. And then, and this reporter, I can't remember his name either, but um, I just watched it yesterday. I should remember, but I don't. <laughs> um, he had this brilliant idea to get Ted to talk about all of it in the third person. So like, he was like distance himself a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So it's easier. Right. And right? then he did this extra thing to totally feed into his ego because all serial killers have a ginormous ego that's disgusting. Um, and he like <laughs> makes him he calls him an expert witness. He was like, What would you do? Because Ted Bundy studied psychology in college, and he was like, Okay, pretend that you were an expert witness for the psychology of this case that like like mental aspects of this. And this is in the 1980s after the um, behavioral science unit had already come about and was now currently working as, you know, and there were active profilers and everything. So um, he's saying, take this from the point of a psychology professor, let's say, and make yourself an expert witness for this case. And he just rolls with it. Like it works so well and that's when he started to talk about the murders in this really prolific way that obviously only the killer would know about these things and so I just thought that was insanely clever to deal with this epic like white boy bullshit narcissist like I just oh my god I got like chills when he told me (laughs) that that was the idea I was like oh my god journalism um but yeah it was pretty cool and uh the um 
The movie looks excellent, and I'm really excited about it. And he escapes from prison in Colorado Springs. Yeah. And there's that one scene of him jumping out of the window, and it looks like Colorado Springs. It does. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. His sweater is awesome. I know. I, I want, want that want sweater. His wardrobe. I want all of his wardrobe. Me too. I really do. Like, he has epic jackets. Like, that brown jacket that he was wearing, the leather one, I want that. I would trust someone with that fashion style. Me too. And with that face. Like mm-hmm. the real Ted that's Bundy. What I, that's what I love yeah. about this movie. And I, that's what I love about the casting choice of Zac Efron. Because mm-hmm. for people like us, we're going to be like, oh, like High School Musical. Like, yeah, like all, he's, he's a like, dreamboat. He's Zac Efron. Yeah. And I think that as viewers, we're going to feel what his victims felt, mm-hmm. which is... This is someone I know. I trust yes, him. Absolutely. And, I never thought about that. You're and so I, right. And I think that like that is going to get at like the very core of why Ted Bundy is incredibly interesting is yeah. the charming aspect that he had. But I also really love that they're telling his personal, like his family life story. I love that they're doing that actually, because I think that that never gets talked about and it kind of like almost humanizes him a little bit and not in like a positive way necessarily, but just in a way of like, wow, this is like someone who could be your neighbor. I mean, that's the case with all murderers. And I think that we oftentimes get like really caught up in the gruesome details of their crimes. And and we don't stop to think about like, Like, this is a person person, with a family. This Mm -hmm. person had parents, this person had siblings and yeah. And um, you know, had feelings and was in love and like, yeah, he had a child. And he has a daughter. Not to go on too big of a tangent, yeah. but if you're interested in listening to this podcast, I think it's called Happy Face. Yes. Um, yes. About the Happy Face Killer. And I love that podcast. It's so good. It's great. And they interview the Happy Face Killer's daughter. And, I and think, his wife. Yeah. And that's a really cool perspective at it that we don't get because we're just like, ooh, they murdered and stabbed yeah, people. Yeah, he's a crazy and, person. Yeah. And I think that um, while to an extent it's always good to like humanize them and break down like what happened, obviously I'm a huge advocate for that. I think that all serial killers, we need to understand what's going on so that we can better prevent it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't want them to like over humanize, you know, and sort of like make it out to be this like dream fairy tales. I think they also need to make sure they're giving proper attention to the victims yeah. because especially in a case like Ted Bundy where all the victims look alike all mm-hmm. the victims he did the same thing they're they get lost in the story a lot and yeah. so I I also hope that they shed some light on that but if that's not the focus of this particular movie I'm not going to be that upset because it looks so good yeah it's really good see and I don't have a problem with this particular serial killer being like treated like that because that was his whole deal that's what yeah. that would that's what makes him so not- notorious is because he had this very outwardly good guy persona mm-hmm. and people perceive could, like they couldn't even believe that he was the serial killer. Right. So I think that in this case, it's really appropriate to kind of approach it like that. I just don't want hit this one particular love affair of his to be the focal point because he messed around with a lot of different women. Well, he did, but this was his, like, long-term... He was, like, also, in love with her, she, yeah. She, I don't know if you know and this... they never got married, though. They, no, they didn't. They did break up. They were just girlfriend and boyfriend and had a kid. But I don't know if you know this, but she plays a big part in why he was named as a suspect because she started seeing all the stories in the newspaper. She yes, started yes. seeing all the sketches, mm-hmm. and she was like, um, hello, this is my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, this is, looks exactly like him. And his name is Ted because a yeah. couple witnesses came forward... Um, when those girls disappeared off of the beach that summer in like 76 or something. And um, 
they were like somebody called him Ted or he said he introduced himself as Ted. That's what they remember about it. And oh my God. Yeah. So it's just a lot. I hope, I mean, that's a big part. She's a big part of that story. And mm-hmm. her story deserves to be told as well. Oh, so absolutely. I do absolutely. like that they're focusing on her. I just don't want it, that her to be the only thing they focus on. You know what I mean? Like, I would much rather hear about, like, the women who died. Yeah, but I mean, like, watch one of the other thousands of Ted Bundy movies that are about that. Like, this is just telling another perspective, which I love. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I get it. I get it. I just, like... I think that if they focus solely on that relationship, it'll break up all of the rest of the stuff that we're trying to advocate for in his humanism. Like, he cheats on her <laughs> a couple times, and he, he's just an ass. And I just want to, I don't know. I have, like, an issue with, like, making, ser- like, serial killers these very famous things. Because you see that in, like, the Manson case where people are, like, so many people showed up to that trial, and they were like, oh, my God, it's Manson. You know, like, he's... This figure, and they were solely interested in him. They didn't care about the killings and all the horrible things that he did. So I hope that, like, while the relationship in there is supposed to advocate for this, like, loving relationship and his humanistic side, I also want to see the bad bits of it and, like, what, why it broke down and what was going on. And I want to see all of those dark parts because it's, it's not all shiny. You know what I mean? So advocating for, like, his one good relationship is not necessarily my favorite part about Ted Bundy because that's the part that sucks the most is because this poor woman who thought she was in love and who was like in love with this person that she thought was a good person is going to ultimately end up learning that he's a terrible human being and like killed other women. And she's like, well, what did, did I have something to do with that or something like that? So I just think that I don't want him to be too humanized. I want to see the human aspects of it, but I don't want people to say, oh, but he had this loving side. Like, why couldn't he, you know, maybe he is innocent. I'm like, no, he's guilty. He's absolutely Well, you know, he's guilty, but I don't know. I disagree. But um, (laughs) the movie is called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, if you Mm -hmm. want to know what we're talking about. Yes. The trailer was dropped yesterday, and it's going to be at Sundance this weekend, so I don't know when it will be available for... Like us to watch, but yeah, I, I haven't seen a premiere date, and I don't know if it's going to be like a limited release or not either. I don't know, but we so. pinky swore months yes. ago that we can't watch it <laughs> unless we're together. Yes, so I'm very excited, and hopefully they have both of the parts that we want to see. Yes, in that I movie. hope so too. <laughs> so maybe it'll be a good mixture, and yes. both of the sides of our argument will be brought together in I'm one down beautiful cohesive movie <laughs> about murder and. A relationship. Yes. So <laughs> let us know what you think about that trailer. We'll tell you how you can contact us later. That's yes. something fun and new. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'd like to know like what everyone else thinks about it too. Um, oh, me too. Because I think there are a lot of true crime obsessed people out there, but not to the extent of like our community of true crime obsessed yes. people. Like we love it. Yeah. And also my stepmom, um, she grew up in Utah And I had, like, shared that trailer on Facebook yesterday, and she commented on it, and she was saying that um, she remembered, she was, like, five when this was all happening, Uh and she says it's, like, her earliest memory of being, like, really afraid, and that everyone was, like, afraid of him, and I think that's super interesting. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. So, okay. (laughs) Well, we need to wrap up part two, and I'm sorry we did not talk about the Zodiac that much. At all. But we will in part three. (laughs) Yes. And thanks for listening to Killer Vibes. Bye. Bye.